I have a lifelong interest in folklore and asked their matriarch, who was in her early 70s at that time, do you know of any local ghost stories? She smiled and looked up at me. Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are going to be telling more of your listener stories. Mm-hmm. We put out the call and you emailed them to gttupod at gmail.com, which you can still do if you haven't done it already. And now we have them here and William and I are going to go back and forth telling each other and you these scary stories. Yeah, I love doing this. We've done mm-hmm. this quite a few times, actually. And it's always cool to see the stories continue to roll in. So yeah, if you listen to this episode and you realize, oh my God, I've got something that happened to me that we should tell or hey there's a story that my grandparent always used to tell me or i have a friend who experienced something feel free to send those things into us we love to see what people have experienced out there and even though we may debate uh, our personal beliefs in the spooky world of the paranormal there's nothing more fun than getting lost in like a scary story yeah and it doesn't matter if like will said it's second third fourth fifth hand because i love the way these stories travel Mm -hmm. and change and what you heard versus what might have actually been true and it's just all cool so if you have some story in the back of your mind by all means email it to us yeah for sure um all right so i think i'm going to be starting us off Uh, This first story comes to us from Anonymous, Mm -hmm. which I love the mystery inherent to the origin of a story that comes from Anonymous, right? Uh, All right. (laughs) Here we go. I consider myself a rational person, and I'm always inherently skeptical. I tend to have a low tolerance for conspiracy theories and tall tales. Even a lot of ghost hunting and other paranormal reality TV shows go a little too far for me. That being said, I remember a few strange things as a kid I might consider paranormal. As I got older, though, many of these supposed paranormal experiences would have a rational explanation. Sleep paralysis. Have you ever had sleep paralysis? No. Have you? No. Thankfully not. Don't want it. Uh, I've experienced it as a kid and did not realize fully what it was until I was a teenager. However, I have a very strong memory of something happening during the day when I was around six or so, something I still remember very vividly. One day after a mild storm, my twin brother and I noticed that light was shining down through the clouds and we started to stare out the window. You know how the sun will break through clouds and it'll look really pretty? That's what we were looking at. It was captivating. My brother and I uh, tried to notice people and faces in the light and clouds. Like like when you see a face in a cloud. Yeah. yeah. I don't just mean we interpreted shapes from clouds. I mean we saw people. Oh, never mind. Faces fully formed and bodies fully clothed. There were a lot of them. And they changed every few seconds to reveal another person. Their style of dress varied, but I do really remember seeing a lot of people in old-timey clothing that at the time I would have described as pirate clothes, but now I recognize as clothing from the 1700s. I can't recall how long this went on, but after some time, the light and clouds shifted, and the people in the sky went away. The people in the sky... That's awesome. This reminds me of Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh, okay. a little bit. Well, th- in Peter Pan, they're looking outside of the clouds and they see a pirate ship coming, th- coming through the clouds, and it turns out to be, I guess, Captain Hook's pirate ship. Or maybe did Peter Pan have a pirate ship to take them to Never Neverland? No, because they flew. Right? Didn't they have? Yeah, they, they had uh, Tinkerbell's fairy dust. Yeah, that's right. Okay, they did fly. So I guess they saw Captain Hook's pirate ship. Yeah. Up in the clouds. I've been thinking about Peter Pan. Lately, I don't know why, some some line from the movie got stuck in my head. I was thinking about how, in I think almost every version of it, uh, when he first meets Wendy, he asks for her name, and she says, my name is Wendy Moira Angela Darling, and he goes, Wendy's enough. He says that? Yeah. You're wasting my time. Wendy's enough. Wendy's enough. Peter Pan is an ass. Thanks a lot. Grow up. Whatever. He doesn't want to grow up. Truly grow up. He refuses. But anyway, that reminds me of Peter Pan, the clouds. Isn't the the way you get to Neverland, they go second star from the right and straight on till morning? I think it's, yeah, something like that. First star to the right and straight on till morning. Yeah. To the right from what? Just to the, what? What does that mean? Of your vision? 
We're just wherever you're looking? I guess. No, I don't know. <laughs> I bet there's an answer to this, but if we could just speculate and go like, huh, yeah. what a chump. <laughs> How ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm still open to a rational explanation. It could really have been just us kids seeing shapes in the clouds, and my memory of it is warped. My brother and I haven't spoken about this in a very long time, and I don't know what his current thoughts about it are or if he even remembers it, but it's still a strong memory that freaks me out and contrasts to many of the freaky things I remember that were rationally explained by my sleep paralysis. I have a second story as well. Again, this was with my twin brother, but while we were teens, my brother very much remembers this event. At this time, we lived in a mobile home park out where all the fields and farms are. It's real spooky at night. Lots of creepy, empty fields. We took the dogs out for a walk when we noticed a star in the sky that was really bright. It was still, uh, it was still for a while, but we took note of it. Then it began to move. Okay, we thought it's a plane. Then it changed color. It became orange, then red, then starlight blue. Then it just disappeared. At that point, we were confused. We were saying to ourselves, are we really seeing this? It was moving rather slowly, not rapidly, but by the end of it, it had moved in a small circle and was almost back in its original position when it disappeared. And when it disappeared, it wasn't sudden. It faded away, just like it faded into colors. It's worth mentioning that we live near a small airport. That's pretty common for UFO encounters and is potentially an explanation. We could have just seen a plane or something, but... We were also really familiar with seeing planes in the sky. Planes have red and blue lights, but what we saw was entirely blue, then orange, then red, then back to blue. We didn't see multiple lights. It was one solid color that looked a lot like a star. Again, I'm open to a rational ex explanation, but we could not identify this unidentified flying object. Cool. Both things in the sky. I know. Man, Anonymous and his brother are really taking to the skies. I know. One during the day, one during the night. Mm -hmm. And I think that they had moved. Right. So in separate places. I wonder if they're super observant. Maybe. Number one, maybe they really are looking up a lot and noticing these things. It's just an interest that's inherent that you don't even think about or something. Right. Or... Maybe stuff has happened. I really do believe, by the way, especially now that I've got like a, a daughter on the way, I really do believe in the idea that as as we all grow up and get older, we just sort of lose touch with mm -hmm. that like sort of imagination. And yeah, and wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would have used the word wonder. It, may, it makes Clearly me think I that would. I should be standing outside looking up in the sky like, wow. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. But like, I remember being a kid and just like, staring at dirt mm -hmm. and looking at bugs oh, for yeah. like, I don't know, 20 minutes at a clip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I remember like, there were just um, bored. And it was great. I, I kind of miss it. Yes. I, I can't remember what they were, what they were, but they were these like teeny weeny little bright red bugs outside of our house in Connecticut. Oh, and yes. I would just stare at them doing their thing. Yeah. Like teeny, 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 teeny. teeny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that maybe it's the sort of thing that an event like this I don't stare up in the sky. You yeah, know? I don't. I don't stare up at the stars. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't catch. You this. wouldn't notice. Maybe there. Are, maybe there are UFOs that are changing color right above my head constantly. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting older, and I'm I'm not paying attention to things. Right. You know, I'm I'm shuffling on to the next task. Right. It's interesting. So maybe interesting. these kids, you know, were looking up a lot, and they happened to see things. Totally. Which yep. is very cool. All right. So now I'm going to tell us a story, and this is from Finn. When I was about 12, my family took a day trip to Werribee Mansion. The 60-room building and grounds were built in 1877 for the, Chur the Churnside family, who emigrated from Scotland to make heaps of money producing wool. It was converted into a seminary in the 1920s, and as such, it's had additional wings constructed since. On this hot summer afternoon, I wandered off down the halls, half-heartedly reading plaques along the way, until I found myself alone at the end of one of the wings where a display of creepily angular mannequins was set up to illustrate the daily life of the priests who lived there, including a man in full garb sitting at an old typewriter. Typewriter. I was bored and 12, so I said aloud, that's a weird-looking mannequin, which I love the idea of. The mannequin immediately cracked its neck to look at me without eyes and snapped its jaw to speak to me with no mouth. 
I watched the typewriter click twice without being touched. Fifteen seconds later, I crashed into my uncle coming around the corner at the other end of the wing. Dude, are you okay? He looked at me alarmed as I caught my breath. I wanted to fill him in, but it seemed inexplicable. Later that night, I put off sleep and did some Google sleuthing on Werribee Mansion. As it turns out, it has a tragic history that gives it a reputation for the paranormal. Thomas Chernside was in love with Mary Begbie, his cousin, but don't think too hard on don't think too hard about it. But her parents would disapprove of the marriage. After moving to Werribee, Thomas sent his brother Andrew back to Scotland to marry Mary in his stead and to move in with them in Thomas's mansion. But Thomas became depressed, and in 1887, he was tragically found dead in the laundry with a shotgun beside him. Three years later, his brother Andrew died too. Finally, in 1908, Mary Chernside died from burns caused by a fire from her bedside candle. Could it be their ghosts I saw? I've heard that spirits often get lost in new additions to a building, unfamiliar with their surroundings. This wing had been added for the seminary after their deaths. I wondered what letters on the typewriter might mean, but it seemed like gibberish. Unless, I looked up the standard typewriter layout, finding something different to our current QWERTY keyboard, and it means that the keys I saw clicked were actually (laughs) MC, Mary Chernside. Could the priest mannequin, mannequin be trying to point me to the tragic Chernside family story? Perhaps. Is likely I was just delirious from a hot summer day? Is it likely I was just delirious from a hot summer day? An argument could be made. But I have to believe this story was demanding to be told. By sharing it with you, I hope it can be. Oh, it has been. Yeah. It has been indeed. And now I'm interested in the Werribee Mansion. I know. Curious about the Werribee Mansion. wonder what the story is there. I also Besides like... the story that Finn told us. Of course, right? <laughs> Naturally. I guess I, I kind of know the story, but... Oh, I wonder what the deal is. I wonder <laughs> if anything happened to Finn there. <laughs> If only they could have told us. Right. Um, I um, First of all, it gives me a sense of deja vu, this story. Okay. Second of all, I love the idea of ghosts being lost because their building has been renovated. And they're like, this isn't my house. Yes. I like that idea, too. A new wing being there and them being like, what, what the? Yeah. And also... The notion of a mannequin Mm -hmm. being possessed by a ghost, perhaps because the ghost is like, well, this is a human-shaped thing. And then maybe even struggling to turn the neck so that it cracks the mannequin. I mean, that's what they say about the idea of haunted dolls and stuff like that, that they just kind of take advantage because it's sort of a familiar form that they know how to manipulate. Huh. And they can move around. Is that why? I mean, maybe there are varying reasons. It has two arms, two legs. Yeah, face. Yeah, it's personified. If you're trying to like communicate with people and you're a ghost, I would probably want to jump into something that's personified. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know how to move it and manipulate it the right way. Humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you been to um anywhere that has mannequins set up like that? Because I love that kind of museum or display or whatever. I'll tell you what. It's very much not the same thing. But the one that springs to mind is Epcot. Okay. I mean, kind of similar, I think. Yeah. Epcot, uh, for people that don't know or haven't been at Disney, that that big iconic ball looks like a golf ball. That's a ride. Mm -hmm. And so when you go up, you're sitting on this uh, in this little chair that moves like, you know, a mile an hour. Yeah. Exactly my kind of ride. I would say perfectly my speed. And it pitches you so that you're going up and rotating around inside that giant ball, but you're also progressing through like all like of scenes. yeah all of recorded time so you yeah. see like you know uh, uh ancient rome and they're mm-hmm. writing in scrolls and then you will eventually see steve jobs working in his garage to make right. apple like it's it's the the full breadth but um seeing mannequins that sort of aren't moving like i think the steve jobs one doesn't move and i've heard that maybe they retired the movement of the mannequin once he died so okay. that he just sort of slumped over um, oh yeah, I think I heard that too. Yeah, I could be. It could, you know, turn out to not be true, right? Um, but the notion that there are just like human-shaped things in there, one hundred percent of the time. Yes. Even at night, they shut it down, and if you happen to walk in, it would just be pitch black in there. But there are human-shaped things in there, right? I sort of got that vibe, even just on the ride. So, yeah. sort of, yes, I have been. 
Yeah, I think that fits into that category for sure. Yeah. What it made me think of is the old Charleston jail um, where they have, it sounds to me pretty much exactly the sort of thing that Finn is talking about, where they're just like still dioramas almost of like Blackbeard the pirate because he kind of came up in Charleston. I think broke through the back wall of the jail, if I remember correctly. Oh, really? I don't remember exactly. But um, I think Blackbeard is in there and there are also prisoners with shackles who were like, <laughs> that are just still in the jail all the time, just pure, unmoving mannequins. Right. And I love it. Yeah, I love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I have also been to, um, uh, man, Allie and I went to a catacomb. Where were we? I don't remember where we were. But it, huh. it was truly like, you know, you're seeing a coffin right. that's just out in the open, and there is a body in there from 300 years ago, that sort of thing. And it, it's a very eerie feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, this next story comes to us from KM, Katie. Uh, Here we go. Hey, you guys, my name's Katie. I've had a number of strange things happen to me in my life. So have my mom and brother, like it runs in the family. But I think this one is the creepiest, especially since my mom was there for the whole thing. So I can't even dismiss it as a nightmare. Oh, to have something horrible happen to you and have it corroborated. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was around 22 years old and staying with my mom over the winter to help her out. One night, we went into our room. Our beds were on opposite sides with about 10 feet of space between them. I put the cat outside the door so he wouldn't wake us up as he had a bad habit of doing that, shut off the light, and got into bed. About five minutes later, something pranced across my feet. Pranced. Mm-hmm. I froze, then scrambled for my phone. I heard something skittering on the wall and then my mom was saying katie get the cat out of here i'm trying to sleep i told her the cat wasn't in the room and she said he surely was he was just walking up the side of her bed and then going up the wall she threw the light on and we saw nothing i scrambled out of bed to the door and opened it stuck my head out and there at the landing was the cat rolling on his scratch pad A lot of strange things happened around the family. A pastor uh, who my mom uh, nannied for, uh, who we shared the house with that winter as well. Feet running up the hall when there's no one else home. Giggling from upstairs when everyone was downstairs. Strange, eerie feelings sending the hair on the back of your neck up. A strange reluctance to be on the stairs at night. Scratchings on the walls. I've never visited that family's home again. I don't, I can understand why not. Yeah. That's a lot of activity. There's a lot going on there. That's a lot to have going on. And I want you to know that I am with you, Katie, as a fellow cat ghost experiencer. Oh, that's right. Famously, I was staying at a family member's house famously. I know. I was going to say, what does it take for something to be described as famously? Infamously, one night, I woke up in the morning and I felt something on the bed next to me. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's Chloe, who's my cat, walking by. And then I opened my eyes and fully woke up. And I was like, oh, that's right. I'm not at home. Chloe's not here. So who is phone? Yeah. And then I went out the door, told our family members about it, and they were like, well, this did used to be a veterinarian's office. Oh, that's right. That's right. hey Yeah, I forgot about that famous yep. story. Yep. Um, I don't think I've ever had that happen. One of the mm-hmm. things that it immediately makes me think of, though, is that odd sensation where you're like, oh, my phone's buzzing. Oh, yeah. And you go to check your pocket and it's not there. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Almost the, the uh, not to make light of anything, but almost mm-hmm. that phantom limb. Yeah. Type of experience where I I feel something, but I couldn't possibly be feeling it. Because it didn't happen. Right. Right. Except if that feeling continues, even after you check it, and then you hear it going up the wall, it might make you start to think that something else is afoot. Yeah, absolutely. And not just a little cat foot. Yeah, prancing. Prancing across your feet. I know, so gentle. I know. I kind of, I guess that's better than a big thud. Oh, sure. Or something, but it's still, I don't know, almost like tickly. I know. You know, that's scary. It's also interesting cats mm-hmm. in general. So let's imagine that this is a ghost. Let's say it's a cat ghost. Right. It can go up the wall. Cats are known to be able to climb. They're quite agile. Right? So mm-hmm. maybe the ghostly powers of a cat in the afterlife, yeah. they don't have anything inhibiting them. Right. Gravity doesn't hold them back anymore so they can prance across your bed and then just casually saunter and just start going up the wall right like nothing that's almost like a dream come true they can truly go wherever they'd like this place could be 
crawling with cats right now all over the walls that we're not aware of. It could be, except we've checked this house extensively, mm-hmm. and I think that this is a safe haven. Were you? I can't remember. Did the people who live here before you live here the whole time before you moved in, or were there previous owners? The, uh, previous owners. This house is... Uh, Actually, as of this year, it is now going to be 101 years old. Oh, happy birthday, baby. This house was built in 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Allie and I are something like the third or fourth owners. So there could have been previous owners who had a cat. There there could be, yeah. yeah. But we've done all of the, um, I guess, diedinhouse.com doesn't account they, for pets. I don't think so. But we've also, you and I have used ghost hunting equipment in this house. We could do more checking. We that doesn't do mean checking. It doesn't mean that the cats are always here. Maybe they're going into the other realm and then coming back. That's a great point. So it also makes me, makes me wonder if there are particular ghost hunting operations for finding pets. I bet there are. Right? I bet, you know how there are trigger objects for, unfortunately, children ghosts, like the boo buddy? Yes. Maybe there are trigger objects for animal ghosts, like a treat. Yeah. Oh, Molly a ate treat them all. That ha- <laughs> Molly and Crumbs and Buffy are gobbling down all of the trigger objects. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, maybe there's like a dog toy trigger object or something that's like the Boo Buddy Jr. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Something to think about. Look who's Boo Buddy now. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This story comes from Danny. My story begins in the mid-90s when I was three, after the death of my great-grandmother. I was very close to my great-grandma Gertrude, though she absolutely hated her name and was known to us as Granny Gert. I love that edit. I think it's a great edit. Yeah, me too. She lived across the street from my grandma, whom we visited most weekends. As I was escorted to her front door, I would turn and send my adult servants away to have jam, toast, and tea time to myself. Thank you. Oh, I love this. I've got a whole image here. I know. She's... Danny's painting a picture. Yeah. She eventually suffered a stroke and passed away from it. I was too young to understand death at the time, making the following events unexplainable to me. The first event happened after Columbine. My mother feeling the same quiet worry parents around the nation suffered as I was as I was slated to start kindergarten. Without saying a word to me about her concerns as she mulled over them, I turned to her and said, "Don't worry, Granny Gert said she would watch over me." It floored my mom at the time, though I don't remember the event myself. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Can you imagine that as a parent? Like if you were worrying about something in the moment, like packing your daughter's backpack, and then she's like, don't worry, grandpa said it's going to be fine. That's going to, I I will, if it happens, Mm. I will simultaneously love it and probably struggle with it a little bit. Yeah. Right? It's like, what are you, really? Yeah. Okay. I I do believe that you're open to stuff that I might be closed off to now, so okay. Right. All right. We'll just roll with it. All right. Have fun with Grandpa. Yeah. (laughs) The second event happened in my teens, though it was ostensibly the first one. I've always had a very distinct memory of my grandma taking my older brother and me to visit her in the local hospital. Um, I, so I think she means visit her great grandma. Okay. I clearly recall turning right around a corner and her door was the first one. She had her arms outstretched, happily beckoning us to join her in bed. I ran up and climbed to the left side of her hospital bed as my brother mounted the other side. I stopped suddenly upon observing her I- IVS and oxygen tube and proceeded carefully over them, knowing not to tug on them. I remember getting in the bed, her embrace, though not any exit from the room. I was around 16 when I casually brought up talking about Granny Gert to my mom one day. She looked at me with a furrowed brow and said, you never visited her in the hospital. She was over 300 miles away and she wasn't conscious for long after being hospitalized. (laughs) Stunned, I learned a memory I had always assumed was a part of everyone's reality wasn't true. I explained later to my grandmother the layout of the room and she sadly smiled, confirming that that's how it was when she was with her. If it was just some kind of dream, the only thing I don't understand is how I knew to avoid her medical tubing in a toddler's dream. I'd never visited anyone in the hospital at that age. The only thing I chalk it up to is the openness of the young to the other side. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. The idea of... That's corroboration as well, right? To be able to say, like, here's what I remember or what i think i remember yeah of the way the room looked and to have her grandmother say yeah that's how it that's looks. correct yeah right it definitely is the second story takes place in my friend dylan's home on an isolated reservation in montana um where we grew up he is native i am not 
His mother was going through a difficult time in her life, and she confided in a friend that she practiced the traditional. Or no, excuse me. She confided in a friend that practiced the traditional ways. He offered to spend spirits to to send spirits to watch over their home. To be specific, the quote little people by the river. Oh. They are local humanoid spirits said to dwell by the river running near his house. They're the proportion of an adult on the scale of a toddler. So. Yeah, just it makes me think of Iceland and like believing it, believing in elves and stuff, right? Yes. Like how they're elemental, they're somewhat mm-hmm. tied to nature. Little people by the river, right? Exactly. Couple that, by the way, with people in the sky. I love just seeing people, people all over the place, people yeah. of the river, people of the Left sky, and right. Hear me, yeah. <laughs> Protect me, people <laughs> of all realms. Maybe that's why they're in this realm. Yeah. Because maybe. they're happy to do it. They're here to protect. What else am I doing? Right. I'm here anyway. May as well. I guess I'll protect you. All right. Don't have anything that I feel like doing by the river. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of cool stuff to do by the river. Look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, try view to... it rushing. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Lie down in it. Witness it go by. Yeah. Witness splendor mm-hmm. all, and all and such. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but. She declined his suggestion and went on her with her life, though Dylan knew nothing of the offer made. He woke up one evening in the living room after his family had fallen asleep watching TV. It was immediately after sunset when everything is bathed in a cool blue light that makes details stand out in sharp relief. He awoke to see a silhouetted figure standing in the hallway across from him, staring. Immediately in a sleepy state, he thought it was his younger brother who was a toddler at the time. He quickly realized that his brother was in the same place that he was before, and when he looked back, the figure was gone. He told his mother about what he saw, and she knew what had happened, contacting her friend who admitted to sending the spirits without her knowledge. She asked her local LDS missionaries to bless their home, and they haven't seen any small figure since. As for myself, as a listener of paranormal podcasts, it's unsettling to find something I thought to be a local legend that's widespread throughout different nations under different names, such as the Puckwudgie or Water Babies. Yeah, that's one of my uh, uh, favorite notions as well. The idea that a lot of these, mm-hmm. you know, mythical creatures, figures, spirits, whatever, pop up all over the globe under different names. Right. Um, the admission over the phone, I did send. I know you said not to, but I actually did anyway. And your son saw one. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. bad. Yeah. Hey, did you by any chance send people of the water, little people by the river to my house? Dylan saw one. So. Know? So. I did. I did send the little people by the river. That was me. You. I. That's. That's spooky also the idea that they're supposed to help you and then you have somebody come to like banish them (laughs) you know like i think that's that's vaguely that's like almost like fodder for comedy right that like your house is possessed but by good spirits and so you have them exercised yeah absolutely yeah just hang with it and um and so it was by the mormon church who who exercised them it's lds is latter-day saints right 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 so i wonder what their i wonder what their ideas about possessions or because i wouldn't call that a possession but like hauntings and things you want cleared out are because we always like there's a heavy emphasis on the catholic and christian perspective on that stuff and like the power of christ compels you all of that i wonder how the mormon church differs and what they think about all that yeah i don't know i mean they obviously came and did some sort of blessing they wanted to get rid of the little people by the river right so they, they weren't into it but yeah, it's just interesting. I wonder how different religions see those things and how they deal with them. Yeah, true. You know, it Back was just a simple blessing. Go we. Yes, maybe that's all it was. Maybe. Yes. Um, all right. Our next story comes to us by way of Chris. That's right. But before we listen to Chris's story, oh. we'd like to tell you a little bit about ourselves here at Guide to the Unknown. So this is a show that is in both podcast and video format on youtube.com slash talk bomb. So if you're at one or the other right now, by all means, check out the other one if you want kind of a different experience. Yeah. On the video version of the show, Chris and I record this show live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. There's a little pre-show where we chat with people, a little post-show. You get stuff that you don't quite get if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you get to take the show with you anywhere. You can listen do it while you're driving around so they each have their own sort of flavor yeah absolutely 
Basically, make sure that you subscribe to youtube.com slash talkbomb so that you can keep up to date with all of our videos as they come out and subscribe to Guide to the Unknown on all your favorite, uh, you know, audio podcast feeds Mm -hmm. so that you never miss an episode there. That's right. And also, if you aren't part of our Patreon, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you are missing. So if you go to patreon.com slash pod and you sign up at the $4 or more per month level, you first of all support the show and help keep it going, which is huge. And thank you so, so much to all of our existing patrons for doing that. But also as a thank you, we have a whole separate secret podcast over there called the Netherworld Dispatch. So you get a link that you can plug into your podcast app and it pops up just like all of your other podcasts, but you only get it if you're a member over at patreon.com slash pod. And actually, as of you know, the day that we're recording this, a new episode has dropped. So this week, there's a new episode of the Netherworld Dispatch, mm-hmm. where Kristen and I look at parodies of the Blair Witch Project. That's right. Um, obviously, the Blair Witch Project is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, I'm one of the writers for the Hunt a Killer Box series. Kristen's done a lot of writing about the Blair Witch for huntakiller.com slash blog, let alone the episodes of the show that we've done on this very feed. Um, but now on the Netherworld Dispatch, we've taken a look at the ways that people have tried to poke fun at, satirize, mimic mm-hmm. the Blair Witch Project. So we ended up watching uh, the Scooby-Doo Project, which was a fun crossover. Yep. Um, Dawson's Creek did a very loving sort of tribute that both Kristen and I found very surprisingly emotional. Yes, we really reacted to it. I, I found it weird. I was It was e- weird. Even in editing it, I was like, why did I have that I'm reaction? surprised that you did. I'm not surprised that I did. I, I think I... It's I, just the kind of dialogue yes. I think brought it out in you. I think I've seen Scream so many times that I'm <laughs> right. somewhat immune to it, but hearing new things written in that style, yeah. it... it was like overwhelming yeah, that overly writer, verbose quality the writer of scream wrote dawson's creek as well exactly so i, I think it may have been that because it's a moment where dawson is like come on i found the blair witch project to be what did you say i don't remember but it's some really wordy line for like a 16 year old and it's awesome he's like i found it to be world changing hollywood laid to waste by two guys <gasps> william that's camcorder. exactly what it was oh my god hollywood, hollywood laid, laid to, to waste, waste. it's <sighs> like no one would really speak this way but in this world they do I and i haven't been to that world died. in so long i it really it was it was nostalgia without me ever having really watched dawson's creek before right it, it felt great and so you can either watch that episode on patreon.com slash pod and you'll be able to see the things on screen as we're reacting to them yep. or we describe them well enough that it works as a podcast as well so totally yeah it's literally out right this second so yep. go check that out yep and you can find everything that we do patreon our merch our facebook group all of that stuff at gttupod.com yeah uh, all right. So our next story comes to us from Chris, uh, who says, I'll start by saying that I, too, am a skeptical believer. I, I think that this is uh, if you're exp- if you've experienced something, mm-hmm. I think that most people probably have this. I, I think that probably it's just me talking. But I think that if you could look at a true Venn diagram of people who have experienced something paranormal, mm-hmm. I wonder if most people would say that they are um, not typically a believer of the paranormal and yet they experience this rather than I believe in a bunch of stuff and I've experienced a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I I think so because I think that saying that you're skeptical is like trying to add this level of veracity to your story. Like I don't just believe every single thing. Exactly. Which I completely understand. Which I think makes total sense. It's a little like, it's almost like meant to be like a credibility check or something like that. Yep. So anyway, from Chris, I'll start by saying that I too, I'm a skeptical believer. I can't prove that what happened was a ghost, a devil, or some mischievous fey creature, but I also can't prove that it wasn't. All I can say is that this happened on three separate occasions uh, and that I had independent validation that someone else experienced the same thing. For me, that's proof enough that, that there are and that these were part of phenomena yet unexplainable by humans. Unexplainable. (laughs) My first experience was with my friend. He and I were at my house with no one else around. We had decided that it was time to get outside and find something to entertain us, so we went to go put on our shoes. As I was bent down tying my laces, I heard distinctly the sound of a little girl laughing. Thankfully, it was a playful giggle that seemed to say, look at the silly boys. Still, 
When something like that happens not three feet away from your head, it's chilling. I kept calm and finished tying my shoes. Both of us walked out of my front door, not saying anything, but finally it was too much not to. I turned to him and asked, Hey, did you hear... Before I could even finish the question, he blurted a little girl laugh. I just looked straight ahead and said, Yeah, a little girl. In some ways, it was nothing unusual having pretended that we were Ghostbusters for years, though I never thought that I would have ever had a real encounter of my own. We carried on with our day and never had another instance like that happen again. That, Kristen, Mm -hmm. is similar in concept to the one thing that I think I ever experienced. Yeah. Where I I felt like I heard someone breathing right beside my head. Not a giggle. Right. Maybe mine was mine was a, a less powerful mm-hmm. entity. Maybe it takes a lot of energy to to put together enough force to do a, a giggle. Yeah. Right. But the the idea of just a, a, non, a disembodied voice mm-hmm. that's near you. Yeah. It's near you. Yes. And Ryan, my husband, experienced something like right. that once too. He was downstairs, like in the basement of his restaurant. And I can't remember what he said that he thought it said, but he texted me and he was like, I just feel like I heard something like close to me say, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. There's a vulnerable feeling mm-hmm. to the notion that I can't see anything. And yet I right. I do feel like I heard something. Yeah. Like I will. I personally don't know if I would chalk this up to, I had a paranormal experience. Mm-hmm. It's well-worn territory that that I think that way. But like, it still is something that like in the moment was very visceral where I like jumped in and ran. Right. I was that shocked. Yeah. You ran? Yeah. I ran. I ran inside. Okay. I had oh. like, I had like just gotten, what do, what do you think? I mean, like down the block, just away into the night, into the woods with my arms fill, flailing like I've Kermit always, the Frog. I guess I've always pictured that the door wasn't uh, open yet. Uh-huh. And I don't know, to say you ran without saying I opened the door and I ran in. I ran. I ran. <laughs> Maybe you think you just like ran left to right. <laughs> just kept booking. <laughs> Where's Will? Has anyone seen Will in a while? I just saw him running off into the night screaming. He ran. No, he's gone. He ran. He, we've got a runner. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, next encounter from Chris. Uh, my second brush with the unexplained is just over a decade later. I was in the living room playing a video game and my wife was taking a shower. Suddenly there were three knocks near the bathroom door. Keep in mind, there were three. May have a bearing on the third experience that Chris will be sharing. Just as I was fixing to get up to see what my wife needed, she opened the door and stuck her head out asking, hey, what do you need? I looked at her, mouth hanging open to say, oh, I was just checking to see what you need. You didn't knock? She asked. No, I thought it was you, I replied. Well, we were both a little shaken. (laughs) My wife had some previous encounters with this presence, It seemed to be checking up on how we were sleeping by peeping through a door. Ugh. That's a parenthetical. I was about to say. That parenthetical is a full story right there, right? That's a big meatball to leave hanging out there. If if some some creepy peepy demon is peering at you through a cracked door. Absolutely. That deserves more than a parenthetical, Chris. Hit us up. Not in Chris's life, apparently. He has three stories, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. This is no biggie. There's a wonderful creepypasta that I I don't know the name of. Yeah. But the point was that you um, uh, are are perpetually haunted by a ghost that always just takes a look at you at the last possible second. So you're getting in an elevator. The elevator doors are closing. There's no one there. There's no one there. There's no one there. The doors are about to close and a face appears. Just trying to get one quick look at you at the last possible second. Uh Um, It appears every time you close a door. Every time you open a drawer in a nightstand. It'll fit into the smallest possible possible crevice anytime something closes or opens it looks at you for just a moment oh, like josie packard in the knob of that nightstand in twin peaks absolutely i i uh uh it's very odd i, I don't know where that i would love i gotta find that story now anyway yeah. that's what that made me think of back to chris this is also the same area where our pets a dog and three cats at the time would stop and stare sometimes hissing or barking <laughs> Thankfully, nothing else ever really happened and nothing, never anything malicious. However, there were just too many markers that something was there for me to dismiss it. You know what happened today? This is very weird. And I know I talk about toilet stuff all the time, but I can't. I know, but this is just the Again truth. Again with it's, the toilet. It's just the truth. Buffy, my puppy, went into the bathroom and was just sitting staring at the toilet. 
dreaming <laughs> an aspiration weird. that she'll never achieve. It was weird. Right? She'd never done that before. It was strange. Kind it's of her, it's a dog to the left. It's a dog's Mount Olympus. Or they stare at that mysterious bowl and wonder how. Or, or was there a toilet ghost? Someday. She <laughs> yeah, you might have a ghoulie. I know. You know the cover of Ghoulies? Yes. <laughs> it's a little a little monster popping out of a toilet. Yes, I do. We talked about that on the Toilet Monsters episode of Guides to the Unknown. Of course, yes. So you can a, go back and find that. Uh, I've completely forgot. Mm-hmm. Shock. There is a full episode of Guide to the Unknown dedicated to toilet monsters. That's right. It was early in quarantine and we wanted to have a light, fun topic for the people. They loved it. Yeah. Did it fix anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is uh, uh, Chris's third and final to date brush with the unknown, and it happened in the same house as those knocks, as the three knocks, which even three, mm-hmm. things coming yeah. in threes we've talked about before. Uh, my wife and I had finally sold the house, and we were doing the last run through to make sure we hadn't left anything behind. While standing in the kitchen, both of us caught the smell of rancid meat. It had been a while since we were in the house. So we both smelled around for a source, thinking it could have been old grease or an unfortunate critter in the wall. We couldn't find the smell. Just those few fleeting seconds, nothing else. I went cold. From all the sources I know of, three wraps and the smell of rotting meat are demonic indicators. However, neither my wife nor I ever felt threatened in the house. The wife of the man we bought the house from was said to have passed away while living there. I'm thinking she may have been sad or angry that we were leaving. I don't suppose I'll ever know. So there you have it. While I've never seen anything paranormal, I've had quite a few shared experiences. I've had other encounters, but these three examples are the times when someone else was there and experienced them too. While this isn't proof of paranormal entities, it's enough proof. And, uh, uh, it's proof enough for me to believe that these things, whatever they are, can and do happen. That's interesting, too, that he decided to only include stories where somebody else was there who can corroborate. So it's, a, it's again, an impulse I completely understand to totally. start this off by saying, I'm a believer, but I'm a little bit skeptical. I don't just believe every single scary thing that comes across my path as a ghost and also to only include things where he can say somebody else can back me up on this yes i think that so that's kind a of like very... double credibility it's like a filter it's like mm-hmm. running a filter in excel or something filter to just only the paranormal experiences that somebody else was there for yeah and we'll also say yeah i heard it too right. i i think that that is that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed those stories. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, I did too. And by all means, send it if you feel like it. Send in the stories where it's just you too, because totally, I, I, I want to know it. about that creeping, peeping ghost. Yeah, yeah, yes. A little more info on the parenthetical, if you don't mind. Oh yeah. Okay, this next one is from Lexi. This first experience happened to me when I was 17. I'll be 21 in February, so this was four years ago, William. Oh, to do the math for you. Incredible math work. Thank you. Also, happy upcoming birthday. That's right. Happy upcoming birthday, Lexi. Maybe uh, Lexi and the baby will have the same birthday. Maybe. Who knows? Um, And I'm still unsure what to make of it. My mom and I were spending the day together. We live in Virginia and decided to head to Grandin Village, which is a cozy little, well, village that's close to 100 years old. I'm a bookworm, and there happens to be a bookstore in Grandin called Too Many Books, and I'd wanted to go in there for the longest time. Love a small local bookstore. Do you think that that's like a play on like too many cooks, or is it really them being like, Oh my God. Too many books. I wish we had less in here. We've got to sell some of these off. (laughs) If it's a play on too many cooks. What? Not cute? It's just so, I don't know, to to be tied to a viral video? It's- what? Oh my God. Chris. Oh my God. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I know. I heard it. I know. I know. I forgot that too many cooks is a phrase all its on its own. Why are you so weird? I don't know. What What other weird thing did I do? Uh, toilets and stuff. Oh, well, you know, get Just used to it, pal. Your first frame of reference for I know. I don't know. was adult swim, right? Like You they- know why? You know why? Actually, I think it's because you're weird. You're weird. I'm volleying this right back to you because you and I were talking about how it's weird that people are still framing things to girls one cup. 
<laughs> like last week. And so I think I, uh, I that was floating around influencing yeah, yeah. my perspective of the phrase too many cooks. Okay. Understood. Yeah. I, I, for, for, for context, I just want to put it out there. I saw a podcast the other day. It was like a list of like top podcasts, no shade, no shade, but it was a list of top podcasts and like three of them on the list were like two guys, one boat, two, two kids, one house. Like they were all, and it's just like, wow. And so I, I Googled and, two no, girls, one cup. It came out in like 2007, everyone. And also, it's time. It's time to move on. It's also, it obviously was a lot of places. Two snacks, one shack. Ooh, I could get down with that. Yeah. <laughs> if I get to live in the shack. I want to break into that shack. Yeah. Um, no, it's also weird meat. because it's not something that I'm sure everybody watched. Yeah. So it's not like it was so, I mean, it was certainly huge. It took the world right. by storm, but like only a portion of the world, like yes. a, you know, teen and up portion probably. So yeah. it's so weird. No. The legs that it has, the four legs. That's correct. Of the two girls. I know. It really exploded though. So anyway, this, this shop is called Too Many Books. Yeah. Which I think is a playoff too many cooks not because there was a viral uh uh sitcom murder parody yeah, like on adult swim or network something. yeah but because there's a phrase or college humor god forbid sure there's a phrase too many cooks spoil the broth so too many books they're trying to sell their books it's cute <laughs> i think it's pleasant and it's in a town that is named grandin village you live in a village and you have a bookstore called too many books it's quaint and wonderful I would like to amend my previous incredulity to agree with William. I now, I now find that delightful. Amendment denied. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing you can do? Can you deny an amendment? I don't know. I don't know. So you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, I guess. Who's, who's going to stop us, Who cares? Right? Yeah, exactly. We have too much, we have too much power. That's right. Uh, okay, well... Sorry, Lexi. I really sucked the wind uh, out of your story. Sorry, like the the IQ of this show just like dropped for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, just because of me. No. Yeah, too many cooks. That is so weird. No, whatever. All right. Uh, and okay, so Lexi and her mom, I think we're going. Yes, we're going to go to too many cooks. Uh, mom and I decided too many books. <laughs> God. Hey, uh, Obsessed with this Adult Swim thing. <laughs> what do you love it? I've only seen it one time, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I've even seen the full thing. <laughs> it's, you know, it's fine. Um, okay, so they went to too many books. Mom and I decided that we were going to finally check it out, and I was super excited. The thing is, though, as soon as I got there, or as soon as we got there, I started to feel sick to my stomach. I brushed this off at first because I'm one of those people who get major butterflies when they're excited about going somewhere or doing something. However, when we went into the store, the stomach pain got worse as we walked around. Then we went down to the basement. It was the first time I'd ever felt the color drain from my face, and I felt like I was going to vomit at any time. I told my mom we had to get out of the store as quickly as possible because there was something super wrong in there. We left, and not five minutes after leaving, I was back to normal. No nausea, no butterflies, nothing. Come to find out, all of the books sold in that shop are secondhand, and it makes me wonder to this day what could have made me feel such a negative energy in such a small shop. I've dug around online and have found nothing paranormal related to the store, and no one else has experienced anything there to my knowledge. The only other, I guess, paranormal story I have is that something is something that happens every so often in my house. I'll be doing whatever in my room, drawing, playing games, etc., and I'll suddenly hear my mom call my name, then somewhat sing-song sounding, Lex, or Lexi, she does when she needs me to do something for her. I'll come out to the dining room and ask, did you call me? She always gives me a mildly confused look before saying, no, but I was thinking about you. Ooh. We still have no explanation for this, and we're honestly curious about whether or not other people experience this strange phenomenon. We're the only women who live in the house, so it couldn't be anyone else. I love that. I, I, I love both of those. I love both of those for sure. That that second one mm -hmm. is <sighs> the response, no, but I was thinking about you. Yeah. It completes the story. It puts a bow on that experience in a very sweet way. Yes. Maybe the connection between them is so strong mm -hmm. you know uh, uh I, I, maybe she really does maybe lexi really does have some sort of a uh, ability to pick up on wavelengths yeah an extra sensory perception i wonder i wonder even if the fact that lexi says that they get butterflies when they're excited about going somewhere or doing something like you know that could oh, be sure. that you have that but right. maybe they're picking up on a little 
something. It sounds like they know that they're mentally excited at the same time. Uh-huh. So obviously it could be, you know, connected there. But like, I don't know, maybe they're sometimes excited to go somewhere that a lot of other people have been excited to go. Yeah to and all that energy is kind of buzzing around that thing and it causes butterflies maybe that's because you know there are different kinds of um like sixth sense sort of things there's like clairsentience which is knowing something okay. clairaudience which is hearing something these are all things that aren't there clairvoyance is seeing something that's not there um may i don't know what the clear feeling thing is but Cla- clair clairaudience clair mm-hmm. that's hearing something that's yep. not there Mm, clear so, sentience is knowing something clairvoyance is seeing it clear i can't remember but there's a smell one for all the five senses clear clairsmellience yeah um clairnosmia um, maybe something like that yeah. um i so i know it i can't remember what it is so clair audience or orient whatever uh clear audience clear audience like an audience now i'm getting all mixed up but whatever close enough for the sake of just our, you know, conversation mm-hmm. right now, so that might be what I experienced. Then I heard something that wasn't there. Yeah, right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Even the idea that Lexi goes into this bookstore and experiences an intense emotion, like uh, uh, my gut on that was like, it's it's interesting to have an allergic reaction to a place. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a weird and cool way to put it but yeah i just can't go in right there right the notion that too many books has only second hand books yes also means that presumably each and every volume mm-hmm. in that shop has you know been passed around and right uh, a lot of people have laid their hands on these things and who knows who those people are mm-hmm. um it could just be overwhelming that there's so much information in that place if you pick up on these things. Right. I don't know. It's fun to deal in these like hypotheticals. It's fun. Like I hear, I'm hearing myself talk about people who are like, you know, picking up on wavelengths and having such a, a tight connection that they can hear like their mother's thoughts. And like, it's, yeah. it's lovely outside of the, the boundaries of this show. I don't know that I personally will would like entertain mm-hmm. and yeah. like say like, I believe in it, but like, it's so fun to hear what people have experienced and get lost in it. Yeah. You know they're I mean? telling us they experienced I it. believe in people's experiences. Yeah, yeah. Like I believe in, in, you know, I, I say that I had an experience and I, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I kind of, I'm just enjoying getting lost in these stories. Yeah. They're cool. Um, all right. Our next story is, uh, another story from a Chris. Mm-hmm. Between 2016 and 2018, I worked in international development aid in Albania especially in a few few villages near the Albania-North Macedonia border. Over a few months of work, I had started to build a friendship with a local family who invited me for dinner with their family matriarch. On midsummer night 2016, during a particularly ferocious rainstorm, I traveled with the family, a husband, wife, and their two teenage boys to the nearby village where their matriarch lived. When we arrived, the rain fell harder, and soon the power went out. This is common in that region. Over dinner by flashlight and candlelight, I was practicing Albanian with the family, and the two teenage sons assisted me where I did not understand or have the right translation. I have a lifelong interest in folklore, and asked their matriarch, who was in her early 70s at that time, Do you know of any local ghost stories? She smiled and looked up at me. The candle gently flickered as her face seemed to dance in the shadows. She was dressed in all black and white, an old Ottoman tradition that has kept alive for widows. So the shadows blended deeper into her. She took a breath, exhaled, and broke the silence with many. I'll tell you one for now. (laughs) For now. Yeah. Many. I'll tell you one for now. I wonder if he ever got more. Yeah, that's interesting. I was around 10 or 11 years old when it happened. The village was still recovering from the war, but us kids still liked to have fun. After school, I ran to the fields on a warm May evening after school with two other girls of the same age. We lost track of time playing a hiding game. I found one of the girls, but then noticed that the other girl was walking away from us in a daze. We called her name, but she wouldn't answer. We tried to follow her, but her pace quickened until she ran into the woods. Everyone at the table all looked around. The story went on. 
My friend and I ran home together to tell our families what happened. After some tearful explanations, they believed us and followed us to the woods. There were sounds of an older woman's laughter coming from the woods. The adults also seemed as though they heard, for they stepped back. After calling for my friend's name a few times, her shouts for help were heard. Her father and my father went into the woods. After what felt like forever, just as the sun was setting, they all emerged from the trees. My friend was safe, but wasn't the same. That night, as at this same dinner table after much begging, father told me what happened. We found her at the top of an old, decayed tree, just shouting incoherently and pointing to the base of the tree. She said that she was called there by a woman in an old black outfit who then chased her up the tree and would just laugh and taunt her. After a while, she just vanished. She was soon rescued after that. A pin drop could be heard at the table as we sat around one another. The candle flickered a bit more. My friend took that story with her to the grave. She would never talk about it, even despite the ridicule it caused her. She sighed. I'll tell you this, young man, I have never gone to those woods. I'm still afraid to go there. After dinner and the rain calmed, I thanked her, and the family and I left her house for the other village. Over the next two years, she would tell me more stories to fill my curiosity. Well, my curiosity is now piqued, Chris. Mine certainly is as well. Uh, incredibly well written as well. I, Absolutely, I, I know that story. Like there was a lot of scene setting. Yes, you know, it was very evocative. Yes, and one of the things that jumped out to me is that the matriarch who was telling him this story was dressed in all black herself. I know. I love that as well. Hmm. She's never gone to those woods, perhaps yet. Uh huh. Hmm. So did she maybe take on? some of the attributes of that woman right. as a way to sort of bolster herself in it's some way, like becoming that which you fear. There, there's also, I'll give you another creepypasta recommendation off of uh, this story. There is a, a story called A Game of Flashlight Tag. Um, I read it um, when it first came out, maybe 10 years ago. I loved it. And I uh, quickly asked the No Sleep podcast mm -hmm. if I could narrate it for them. And it was taken it was already taken, and I was so bummed. It is so frightening. It is about kids that are playing flashlight tag outside. One of them runs off into the woods, doesn't come back. People have to go searching for them. And what happens from there, I personally found very chilling. So highly recommend go find a game of flashlight tag. Oh, tell us. Do tell us. No, We're no, I couldn't. We're doing stories. No, I couldn't possibly. William. Kristen, I could Everybody. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Spoilers for a game of flashlight tag. Skip the next, you know, few minutes if you want to, or, you know, pause the podcast if you're in the future and you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or something, and then and then come back. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way that I remembered the story, and this is a, a written story. I'd also like to credit whoever wrote it, but I don't know. They deserve full credit because I, I love the way the story is written. But so um, this kid goes off into the woods. And they're playing flashlight tag, which I think the rules of it are you all have flashlights, it's dark out, and if somebody points a flashlight at you, you've been tagged. Um, so uh, uh, the kid is chasing their friend into the woods, and uh, uh, they eventually need to get the parents to like all come out and we're all going to search for this girl. But eventually it's one of the children that finds her first. And she is in the woods, sticking out from behind a tree, looking at them. And so they, they just have their flashlight on this, this girl who ran into the woods and she's peeking from behind the tree and just starts shaking, but shaking in a weird way, not like she's wiggling her shoulders or something, like someone's holding her. And shaking her. And shaking her. And, uh, you know, the, the kid calls for help. The parents run over. It's already too late. The, the, the kid is dead, killed, and the person who did it got away. But the notion that they were puppeteering this kid's yes. body to sort of like. Here I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Either to lure another kid over right. to them or just as a a sick. Right. You know, uh, tr triumphant display. Right. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, I found it really frightening. And the that way, is an unsettling story. Yeah. The way that I think about it in my head, there weren't. You know, Kristen, you you know, we grew up in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut, mm -hmm. woods everywhere. 
weirdly, that's not what I think about in this story. For whatever reason, I picture this story with so much clarity when Mm -hmm. I read it. A game of flashlight tag. It is, we lived in Missouri after we moved away from Connecticut in the mid-90s. And there weren't, there wasn't much wilderness or woods or anything. However, our neighbors to the left of us in their backyard did have maybe like a quarter acre of woods, something like that. Very minimal. Mm -hmm. But also, a game of flashlight tag is about childhood like kids that are running around in the neighborhood and stuff, right. which I guess maybe I do associate with our time in Missouri. Yeah. They're just kind of being personalities on our cul-de-sac. And I can picture that story being like us and mm-hmm. people that we knew. Yes. And like, it's just very visually clear in my head. Everybody go track that down. A game of flashlight tag. I haven't been into creepypastas in a long time, but a lot of the, yeah. of the stories sent in right here are making me think of them. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're completely right. Yeah. All right, so I am going to take us on home. We're going to end this with a shorty and a sweetie from Adam. Shorty sweetie. Yep. (laughs) So Adam says, growing up, my parents were divorced and we would visit my father in the summers. He lived in a sizable house in Virginia and my stepmom always claimed it was haunted. We always thought she was joking and saw herself as some sort of clairvoyant. Ah, Mm. a clairvoyant. Aha. Seeing. I can see. I see the unknown. The haunting was usually limited to the basement. One time, my brother and I went down there in the dark to play hide-and-seek, and something pushed me over, so we ran upstairs screaming. There was nothing to trip over, and he was way too far behind me to have done it. Not a fan of that ghost for giving him a little push. Later on, after they'd moved down to Georgia, we would take pictures together, and there would always be orbs. Not only that, but one time I went to the abandoned house next door to check it out, and it was maybe in the low 50s or high 40s temperature-wise. When I walked into that house, it was immediately nearly 100 degrees, and there were pentagrams drawn in multiple places and writing all over the walls. I didn't like the vibe. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not into that vibe. Yeah. Uh, So I ran back to the house. The second I walked in the door, my stepmom told me there was something latched on to me and that I needed to take a hot shower and get rid of the clothes I was wearing. Probably the scariest thing that's happened to me. Ooh, that is very scary. That's really scary. And I would imagine that if you kind of like, you know, she said that she was a clairvoyant and you're kind of like, yeah, maybe whatever. Um, I don't know. That that must have solidified her beliefs about herself a little bit in your mind, Adam, when you didn't even have, to, even have to say anything after coming in from a scary house with pentagrams all over. And she's like, you have something latched on you. Yep. Throw your clothes away. Take a hot shower because something's up. Uh, which I also love because it, it has some of the qualities of you've been playing outside. You're all covered <laughs> in mud. <laughs> you know, take a bath, wash your clothes, whatever. Right. Oh, welcome home. Oh, you've got something attached to you. Yeah. So let's get rid of those. Take a hot shower and it'll be fine. We got to get rid of a spirit real quick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Leave your spirits at the door. Right. Wonderful. That's what we do in this home. Wonderful. Frightening. Fantastic. Thank you, Adam. And thank you so much to everybody who sent in these stories. There is going to be a listener stories part two. Yeah. Because we did not get to all of them. So stay tuned because if you sent something in and you haven't heard it yet, you will soon. That's right. And if you're out there listening to this episode right now thinking, well, I've got a scary story or an experience or something that a mm-hmm. friend told me, a family member told me, it's not too late. Get it in. It might make it into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't, we hold on to these things yep. forever. So feel free to send your stories to gttupod at gmail.com and we will store them safely That's until right. it's time to release them into the world. That's right. I'll lock them away in my memory palace. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we said before, you can also go to gttupod.com and you can check out our Patreon, our merch store, our Facebook group, and see all the stuff that we do over there. And we would really, really appreciate it if you told a friend about the show. If you're in a Facebook group and somebody is like, I need something to listen to, suggest Guide to the Unknown to them. That makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And actually, a lot of listeners end up finding the show that way. So So that's a really great way in particular if you'd like to kind of do something nice for the show and keep it going is to tell somebody on Facebook. Yeah. We also see a lot of people saying that they've come to Guide to the Unknown by 
why have some other podcast that mm-hmm. they enjoy. So uh, we're a big fan of other podcasters as well. Oh, God, if there's yeah. a show out there that you enjoy that you think is a good match for Guide to the Unknown, maybe we can schedule a team up, a yes. crossover, a promo swap, something like that. So feel free to reach out to other podcasters that you like. Mm-hmm. Tell them that you enjoy Guide to the Unknown and, and you'd like to see some sort of a connection. Yeah, because actually I would like to mention I was just recently in real time just this past Monday on a Patreon episode for Real Life Ghost Stories. Emma and I talked about our personal inclinations towards scary stuff and our opinions and likes and dislikes. And it was an awesome, awesome conversation. And we'll be doing it again soon on the main feed. But if you want to hear that, go to the Real Life Ghost Stories podcast Patreon. Yeah, I want to hear that, actually. Mm -hmm. I I haven't heard it. It's good. I haven't heard it, Kristen. I want it. Um, we would also really appreciate it. Another great way to, to show support is to either leave us a review on something like Podchaser, recommend on Facebook, share a post on Instagram, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, just like CKMAH Tab did. Yes. Titled A Mixture of the Two. Love it. That's a callback to a joke that we made. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Oh, I know. What is it? Oh, I know what it is. Okay, I know. Yes. A must listen. I've been listening to this podcast for a while, and I cannot say enough about this duo. Kristen and Will will have you feeling fantastic as you listen or watch, there's a YouTube version, to them discuss topics that they have both taken the time to research. Many podcasts, spooky podcasts, or podcasts with similar themes usually leave me wanting more in the research department. While I am 100% a believer in most, if not all, things spooky and weird, it's nice and refreshing to have people research and say, well, actually, there's a non-spooky reason. I also appreciate how Kristen and Will engage their fan base and the overall tone of the podcast. The tone is warm and personable. Not just a couple of randos talking to you. Five out of five stars. Would recommend. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. What a nice review. Thank you so much for writing that. Yeah, we got a recent influx of, of new reviews that are wonderful. So, oh, uh, thank you. That makes That's huge. Thank yeah. you very much. Shout out to uh, Robert Foley, David and Casey, Review from Mars, Sensei Day, Infinite Mallet. A bunch of people just left us a, 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 a lot of really positive reviews. Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you very, very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody. Well, I think that's going to be it for this week. We will be back next time for more spooky stories from around the globe. Maybe even from listeners like you. Ooh. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld go we. All right. We did it. What good stories. A